I'm turning now to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11 and verse 34. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, verse 34, the words of Christ, the light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when thine eye is single, thy whole body also is full of light. But when thine eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. It's the parable of the harmful or the evil eye told by the Lord. One of the very short parables, a parable in three verses. We'll be looking really at only one verse. The light of the body. The subject, carrying on from the preceding verse, is spiritual understanding. Understanding about God. Understanding who he is. Understanding how to know him. Understanding his purpose for creation, for mankind. His aims, his ideals. All these things which God has revealed in his word, in the scriptures. So light is understanding, particularly about spiritual things. You can be a genius. You can be so accomplished in some great field of learning. And yet, uh, if you know nothing of God, nothing of purpose, the purpose of life, nothing of eternity, nothing of human destiny... Well, you have no light in the terms used here. The light of the body, here's the analogy, here's the parable. The light of the body is the eye. The eye is the great informing faculty. The eye informs the body, where you are, where you're going, what you're doing. The Saviour says, if the eye is right, in this sense, the body is full of light, as though the whole body sees. And that's true. If you work with your hands, how do your hands know where to go? How to handle things correctly? How to carry out your craft or trade or whatever it is? The hands can't see, but they can see. If the eye sees... It is as if the hands see. So the hands see because of the eye. Where are you going? Are you going to stumble and fall? Can you walk round obstacles and pick your way through difficult terrain? As if your feet can see. Well, they can because the light of the feet is the eye. It's the seeing in formal faculty. So it's very practical, the eyes. Very, very difficult without all kinds of aids to function without eyes. But the eyes also, as the seeing faculty, bring you so much information, so much pleasure, so much enjoyment, so many things you like to see and to look at. The eyes, tremendous seeing is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And if we stop to think about it, we're amazed at how we depend upon sight and what it brings to us and what it does for us. The light of the body, 
the whole body, your appreciation, your mind, your understanding, your sense of pleasure and enjoyment, so much derives from the eye. Therefore, when thine eye is single, thy whole body is full of light. Single. What an interesting word. It translates the Greek and it means just that, when your eye is working as one. You see everything clearly. Your two eyes see together. They focus together. They're synchronized. And you can see so clearly. If it were not so, if you had dreadfully blurred vision, well, it's almost as bad as not seeing at all. Because what you see is deceptive. You step through a difficult uh, pathway with all kinds of obstacles and you do fall over them and you do trip and so on and get into trouble because to have tremendous blurred or overlapping vision is as, almost as bad as having nothing at all. If thy, when thine eye is single, thy whole body is full of light. But when thine eye is evil, that's interesting, evil, the modern translations try to do better. What is an evil eye, they say? And they use alternative words. Some of the most popular modern translations of the Bible, they'll say something like, when your eye is unhealthy, or when your eye is bad, meaning much the same thing. When your eye, they find all kinds of words to describe a sight which isn't functioning properly, and you're in difficulty. But actually, the Greek says evil, and that's important. When thine eye is evil. The, King, the old King James Version, the old Geneva Version, and all the ancient translators, they were right on message here. I took the Greek straight over when thine eyes evil. Don't change it to uh, sick, unhealthy, bad, not functioning. You've missed the point. Because half the point here is when it comes to spiritual sight, if your capacity to see, to see the things of God, to understand the message of salvation to see why you need a saviour, to see these spiritual truths, if your capacity to see is impaired and not functioning, it's actually your fault. It's an evil eye. That's what Christ means. When thine eye is evil, you don't want to see. That was true of me. I didn't want to see as a youngster. I didn't want to know about God. I was full of myself and this present world and what I could do and what I could be and what I could have. I didn't want to know about God. I mean, I was a youngster, as many other elderly people here will attest. We heard about God much, much more than you do today. And we didn't want to listen. I was only thinking the other day, 
way, way back, I'm going back now, uh, almost to over 60, 70 years, school assemblies in the old days. Why some of them were quite good. Looking back, after I came to Christ, came to the Lord, a little bit after this, I looked back and I thought, well, I heard a lot of this message even in school days, even in assemblies. And none of us listened. And you'd look round at all the boys. I remember when I was about 15, you'd look round and nobody listened. Ah, there's, there's a boy who's listening. He must be peculiar. Listening to this. Listening to something religious. How odd. How strange. It's the evil eye. My faculty of perception and understanding when it came to spiritual things was not just unhealthy, it was to be blamed. It was evil. I was deeply prejudiced. I didn't want it. I was in unbelief. I had no time for God. I had no respect for God. So as I said, the King James Version is on message. And the moderns have strayed away on this kind of point. When thine eye is evil, thy whole body is full of darkness. You don't understand. You don't see your need of God. You don't realize what he can do for you. You don't realize what he will do one day when he rejects us if we have to face him in judgment having ignored him lifelong and dismissed him and disbelieved in him and slandered him and rejected him and disobeyed him because he's a just and holy God and he must act towards us. But we don't know about the way of forgiveness and salvation and we only have the vaguest notion of what Christ did. Because we have an evil eye, a deeply prejudiced, not wanting eye in the spiritual realm. Is that true of us? Oh, dear friends, let's talk about eye problems just for a moment or two. If thine eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness, ignorance, that is, about God and his ways. Eye problems. You may think of short-sightedness, myopia, when you can't clearly see what's near to you. Now, I used the proper word for it there, but I don't want you to imagine for one moment that I am an optician or a doctor. I'm not skilled or knowledgeable in those fields, but we all know something about what short-sightedness is. You can't see what's close up. You need corrective lenses to focus on it. You can't see what's near to you. I beg your pardon. You can only see what's near to you. There you are. I'm betraying how little I know about the problem medically. How you can only see what's close up. 
But you may have that spiritually. When we're young, most of us have it. We have severe spiritual short-sightedness. All I can see is this world, the present, what's around me, appearances, immediate experiences, carried away by the music, which is right there on the loudspeaker, carried away by the immediate, the here and now. My vision doesn't go beyond that long-term. What about the whole of life? How will I make it? Will I have any help from God? Will I need his guidance? Will I need his power to keep me? Will my character deteriorate? Will I make a disastrous marriage? Will everything go wrong? Will my selfishness leave me into all kinds of problems and difficulties? I don't see beyond the present, the immediate. I want it now. I want my satisfaction and pleasure, whatever it is. Extreme short-sighted. I certainly can't see God. I don't think about eternity. I don't think about the purpose of life. When thine eye is evil, it doesn't want God, so it's stuck with the present. It's stuck in extreme short-sightedness. Is that us, friends? Is that our condition? It's a great shame. It is the condition of most of us before we're converted, before we come to realize what the most important things of life really are. Spiritual short-sightedness. I remember reading a book some time ago which was by a man about his wartime experiences. And uh, he was uh, uh, not fit enough to go out with the forces elsewhere, so he was recruited in London to be an anti-aircraft gunner. That's what he did throughout the war. And he writes about how when he first started this, he made the classic mistake. There was no time for much instruction. It was very, very hurried. And he, with a few other rockies, were manning an anti-aircraft gun situated right next to a shelter and uh, trying to shoot down enemy bombers' aircraft. And so they arranged their sight at one of these typical uh, 3.7-inch diameter barrel anti-aircraft guns. Amazing, the firepower they had, the, the shells they fired weighed about 25 pounds each, and yet it could be done with great speed if they were well trained. But his problem was this. When he had his first real night on duty and the supervisor instructor wasn't able to come on time, and they were all rookies together, and they started their duty, their operation, and the searchlights came on and picked out aircraft in the sky and they fired, their shells always fell short. Everything seemed hopeless, useless. They knew there was something wrong because they'd seen this done by others, reaching the target sometimes. I seem to remember there were about 300 
aircraft destroyed by anti-aircraft guns in the war here in Britain. But mostly they had the effect of chasing the aircraft, the bombers, even higher, higher altitudes where their bombing was much less accurate. But he couldn't get his shells anywhere near the aircraft. And then when they uh, met with their instructor, what's the matter? What's wrong? Why won't they reach? And the answer was this, well, you're suffering uh, the effects of an optical illusion. When everything is dark, you can't see anything, and there's just a pencil beam from a searchlight picks out an aircraft, because there's no context, it looks much closer than it is. You've got your sight angle set at only half the altitude you need. You've got to double those position of your sights to get anywhere near that aircraft. It's much further away than you think. That's rather similar to short-sightedness. Different, I know. But if you could, the instructor struck me, I remembered this, the instructor said to them, if you could throw a switch and turn on the daylight, you'd suddenly see that aircraft as being a long way off where it really was, because the whole context around would come into view. But while you're focused only on that, with the beam of a searchlight, It's very much closer in your estimation. We can be fooled by what we see. And when you're young, we have this short-sightedness. The here and now is everything. And we dismiss anything great and glorious and eternal and spiritual. So that's the first warning, dear friends. Then there's a second problem just to touch on, and that is long-sightedness. Well, there are different forms of long-sightedness. There's that which comes about simply through growing old. And some of us have passed through this years ago, but some of you now are just coming to it. And I can see people just here and there holding their hymn books ever further away because they're getting this problem and they need some correction. But there is spiritual long-sightedness. Your distance vision is better than your close-up vision. And this is how it works. Spiritual long-sightedness means I can talk about politics, I can talk about ecology, I can talk about global warming, all kinds of grand things. I can see what ought to be done and what this party should do and what that party should do. Talk about all kinds of themes, but I can't see myself. I can't see the effect my selfishness is having on my wife or my bad temper is having on my children or my greed the effect it's having on me and my character I can't see my own warts of character and problems as God sees them I can't see close up I'm committing every sin in the book with long sightedness and I think I'm a good fellow 
I don't need a saviour. I don't need cleansing. I don't need forgiveness. If I went under a bus tomorrow, if there is a heaven, presumably I'd be there. By what right? I don't see myself and my need, only things that are far off from me. Do you suffer from spiritual long-sightedness? You don't know your need of Christ the Saviour and his forgiving love. You don't feel your need of being changed by the power of God and made a new person. Your need of communion and fellowship with the living God and help from on high. You don't feel your need of a heavenly friend. That's severe spiritual long-sightedness. Or you may suffer from spiritual double vision. Everything to you in the Bible and everything to you about God is just confusing. It's just muddling. It's blurred eyes. You see it all wrong. You don't see it as it is. There's a lot of this, and I can tell you how it comes and what it does. You know, these days you see a lot of blurred vision about people think that unclean things, terrible things, terrible sexual sins, betrayal of husband and wife, disloyalty, all kinds of things are okay. They can be excused. You can choose your gender, choose your sexual orientation, change it if you wish. Everything is acceptable. Everything is regarded as good. The fact that some things are evil and offensive to God and banned by him and abhorrent in his sight, your blurred vision doesn't see that. No, no. The radio and the television and the press and everybody tells me this can be beautiful too. And you fall for it. And you're seeing everything in a muddle. And evil things become good and good things become evil. And look at it. There are people who say, I don't want God, I don't want Christ, I don't want to be saved because that will be a chain round my neck and I will lose my liberty and that will be restrictive to me. Restrictive and hateful and objectionable and slavery to be made a better person, to be made holy, to be made unselfish, to be made kind, to be made pure, to be given humility. Are these things so awful? But blurred vision spiritually, oh, I don't want these things taken away from me. This will be a, a restriction. This will be terrible. This will be like slavery. To have to love God and walk with him and be pleased with him. It's spiritual blurred vision. You're not seeing straight. 
if it were like this in physical life, everywhere you went, you wouldn't be able to see anything properly. You'd be falling over things constantly, banging into things constantly, terribly blurred or double vision can be a disaster if it's bad enough. And that's how it is spiritually with us. Then there's another strange, strange thing with blindness. And I don't know the proper word for it, but I've read about it and I've known somebody who suffered from this. An enlarging, of course, very elderly people often suffer from it also in a very severe way. But even younger people who've had a kind of patch of blindness. Not a blind spot. Everybody has a blind spot. But an area which just doesn't see, doesn't register, can't record it, know it. And that happens spiritually. For instance, I'll give you an example. Somebody says, oh, but God is a God of love. So everybody's going to heaven because he's a God of love. What a foolish thing to say. There's a blind patch over the fact that God is also a God of holiness and justice who cannot abide sin and foulness and uncleanness and rottenness and disloyalty and pride and lies. The Bible says a lie is an abomination. But you've got a blind spot of, oh no, God is a God of love. He loves everybody and anything, no matter what we are, what we do. That blind spot takes us into judgment. It's foolish. And then there are people who have their blind spot somewhere else. They think, and some quite religious people, they say, yes, God is important. Must honour God. And uh, I, I can do it. I can honour him. I can do good things. And so I've done some good things this week, they say. I've done a good turn or two. I've done some deeds of kindness. Therefore these will be rewarded. And I'm all right. I'm going to heaven. I can earn my passage. The blind spot again is, or patch, is over how bad they are in God's sight, how much they need forgiveness. And there's also a blind patch over this, that God's way is a way of grace. God's way is to pardon and forgive freely those who come to him and repent and yield their lives to him, believing in Christ and what he did on their behalf. But there's a blind patch to that, that salvation comes that way. There are people who say to me, oh, I, I, I believe in Christ, so I'm all right. I believe in him. Have you repented of your sin? What's that? There's a blind patch over that. They think it, you could become a Christian just by believing in Christ. Well, that's a that precious step. But you listen to him and obey him and come, as it were, on your knees and repent of your life 
and ask his forgiveness and ask him to change you? Do you repent? I don't know about that, you say. I don't want that. I don't want to grovel. I don't want to do that. The blind patch is over the essential part of the message. It is all about spiritual sight. And I hope it helps. I hope it assists. Friends, any form of defect in seeing spiritual things leaves us outside the kingdom of God, leaves us subject to the judgment of God one day. You're in spiritual darkness. You don't see. You don't understand. You know when the Apostle Paul was converted on the Damascus Road, there was a supernatural event in his conversion, which won't be in yours, but he was a special case because he was going to suffer terribly for the Lord in spreading the message right through the world of the day. But the Apostle Paul, he was Saul of Tarsus at that stage. He was struck blind. Now, I don't know whether the Bible uses a metaphor because it says, when he was given light and freedom by the Lord and assurance of salvation, the scales, as it were, fell from his eyes. And in that little phrase, you can't be sure whether, therefore, this, these were metaphorical scales or, in some way, real scales, like the scales of a reptile or a crocodile. But certainly they were metaphorical. He could not see that Christ was the Savior. He could not see that he needed free forgiveness. He could not see that Christ had died on the cross to make an atonement for sinners. He could not see it. But when he was converted, he was enabled to see like the man who Christ healed, who was born blind. Whereas I was blind, he said, now I see. And Newton lifted that phrase right out of John chapter 9 and put it in his hymn, Amazing Grace. That's what it's like to come to God. I was blind to all this. I had severe spiritual eye disorder. I didn't get it. I couldn't see it. I couldn't see my need. I couldn't see God's goodness. I couldn't see Christ's death on Calvary. I couldn't see about repentance. I didn't know about conversion. I didn't know what an astonishing thing it is to find Christ and to know him, and to walk with him, and have my prayers answered, and to have his guidance, and to have him assure my heart that I am his child. I never knew any of that. I was blind. Now I see. We need to find the love of Christ. We need to find his power in our lives, rebuilding and changing us. That's conversion to Christ. 
Have you still got eye disease in some shape or form? Do you need to come to him? Oh, dear friends, don't continue with a willful eye problem, the evil eye. You're to be blamed because you don't want to see. Cry out to God in prayer. Lord, draw me to thyself. Show me what I must do. Receive me and hear me and save me. Don't let me be swallowed up by foolish prejudices and unbelief. I was reading not long ago that the man who is one of the most militant atheists in this country, I hope it's not unkind to put it this way, he's got through three wives. What happened? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he needs to be a new person. Maybe he's never realized, brilliant as he is in his field, that he's got spiritual eye disorder and he can't see and he's full of darkness because his unbelief won't change his character, won't heal his marriage, won't help him in life, won't get him to heaven, won't bring him to walk with the Lord. And that's what we need. Ask God to deliver you from spiritual eye disease. The lack of ability to see. Confess it's your fault. You're guilty of it. It's willful. And he will help you. And he will forgive you. And he will make himself known to you. And he will save you. Let's pray together. O oh God, our gracious Heavenly Father, help us all this night. O oh Lord, look upon us in our great need. Draw us to thyself. Show us wonderful things that we may see, that we may see the things of God and enter into the kingdom. Bless us all. We ask it in our dear Saviour's name for his sake. Amen.